Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. It's a real joy this morning uh, to have Kath Talek with us. Uh, speaking. Kath is part of the Gateway family. Uh, she was for the longest time our kids and youth pastor, uh, kid, not youth pastor, kids pastor, uh, and generations pastor as well. And uh, more recently, she has taken on a role with Arrow as the Emerging Leaders Director for Australia. And uh, she's traveling around a lot. She's raising up young leaders, which is her passion. And uh, she's doing an awesome job with that. And it's our joy uh, to have Kath with us this morning to share the word. So why don't you give a huge hand to Kath as she comes to preach the word this morning. Thank you very much, Sirx. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that uh, we are here and so are you. And God, as always, I'm conscious that there are people all over the world who don't have the privilege to meet freely like this. There are people all over the world meeting in secret uh, with no scripture uh, because that's just not allowed where they are. And so, God, I give you so much thanks this morning that we can walk into a place freely, that we can pick whichever Bible we want to bring to church today, and, God, that we can celebrate a God who is big, who is powerful, and who is purposeful together as your people under one roof. So, God, thank you for that. We join with our brothers and sisters all over the world and say thank you, God, that you are a good, good Father. God, we thank you for the Word. We thank you for the privilege it is to open it together and learn from you. And I pray, God, that you would be working in the hearts of your people this morning. God, that your spirit would be at work in this room as we open your word and lean into you for a few moments this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for having me, and um, Cirque said some really nice words about me. I was the children's pastor here for six years, and then the generations pastor for a few years after that, and he said some really nice things about that, and I had a great time being the children's pastor and the generations pastor here, but the truth is not every Sunday was a great Sunday, and I don't want to start off too negatively this morning, but I want to tell you to begin with about one of the worst Sundays of all time as me being for me, being the children's pastor here at Gateway. It started just like any ordinary Sunday. There wasn't, there wasn't a peep. Everything was going well. We had a great service. Probably the preacher preached too long, but we were used to that. We went, uh, we had a great Sunday. The kids were there. Kids got picked up. And so, and finally, the, the Sunday morning was over. And I had to get to, as Cirque's mentioned before, a newcomers event. So we've been doing these newcomers events at Gateway for a long time. We used to do them up in the upper room. And I was always running late because I was always kind of doing things after kids' ministry. And I had to get to these newcomers events. And this Sunday was one of those Sundays. And so I was outside washing paint out of paintbrush. At a, at a tap outside, trying to do that as fast as I could because I was already running late for the newcomers event. When my children's pastor's spidey senses picked up on the back of my neck and I knew something was happening behind me. I turned around and saw 11-year-old Jacob on top of the counseling center doing these ones, Woo! with a pile of kids around him shouting, Jacob, 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 Jacob. 
As I turned and went to say, Jacob, get off the roof of the counselling centre, he rolled himself off the roof of the counselling centre, fell about two and a half metres onto concrete below, catching his head on the railing up the ramp on his way. It all sort of happened in slow motion from then. I ran over. He had a huge gash in the back of his head that was bleeding profusely. And so I ran over, sorted everything out, grabbed him, sort of went into my memory bank of the first aid course I'd taken three and a half years ago and thought, I have to put pressure on this wound. So I put pressure on the wound. My memory went to a moment about half an hour before when I'd walked through the foyer and seen Pat Holsworth, a a paramedic, having a coffee and a citrus tart in the coffee shop. And as I saw two green-shirted leaders run my way, I said to one of them, go and get Pat, he's in the coffee shop right now. And I said to the other one, go and get Jacob's mum. She won't be surprised, but she'll want to know what's going on. (laughs) And I sat there holding this kid's head, telling him he was going to be okay, hoping that he was going to be okay. He was okay. He's about 16 now. He's totally fine. Pat came over, sorted everything out, called an ambulance. The ambulance turned up. We put Jacob and his mum in the ambulance. And as I waved the ambulance goodbye, I thought, oh, man, now I've got to get to the newcomer's vent. So I sprinted up the stairs, opened the door to find Jason Ellsmore standing there. And he looked at me and he said, Kath, what the heck? And I burst into tears and I said, I'm so sorry I'm late. I'm just, all this stuff has been happening. He said, Kath, 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 I don't care that you're late, but you are covered in blood. (laughs) I looked down, my green gateway kid shirt was soiled red with a child's blood. And I was about to get up and tell all the newcomers of the church how great kids' ministry was. (laughs) Send your kids my way. Jason said, take 10 minutes, go to the bathroom, sort yourself out, and then come back up. So I went to the bathroom, I found another shirt, I I sorted myself up, and I remember standing in the bathroom, looking into the mirror. And I said some words that I've said since, I'm sure I'll say again, And perhaps you've said as well. I looked into the mirror and I said, I'm not good enough to do this. I can't do this. Who am I that I would be put in charge of all of this incredible ministry? I can't do this. I wonder if you've said those words yourself. You know, as Cirque said, I work with young leaders all over Australia from all different denominations, and part of the privilege of my role is I get to journey with them, and I get to talk to them and talk about where they're at. And the common thread, the common thread for people of great capacity, of great competence, of of incredible giftings and talent, the common thread I hear from leaders as I sit and talk to them about what God's doing in their life is, I'm not good enough to do this. Soon, everyone is going to find out that I am not good enough to do what God has called me to do. Everyone's going to find out, and they're going to realize I'm an imposter. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. It's a common thread I hear in people all over the country, in all different positions, in all different roles, in all different denominations, in all different places. I'm not good enough to do what God has called me to do. And I wonder if that's true for you as well. 
If it's you look at what God has asked you to do, if you, if you have a sense of what God is calling you to do with your life or even just the very next step that he has called you to, are you looking at him saying, God, I think you've made a mistake. You've got the wrong person. I could never possibly do that. But you see, I think God has a history. I think God has an experience that we see painted in Scripture over and over again of him using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And I want to show you one of those stories today. It's a classic story that I'm sure you've read before if you've been around church for a while. It's the story of Moses. So if you've got your Bibles with you, turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. I'm sure you've heard the story of Moses before, even if uh, you've never been to church before, or you've never read your Bible, you've probably at least seen a Disney movie. Moses um, is a Hebrew baby who should have been thrown into the Nile and killed, but instead a princess of Egypt finds him, raises him, he is raised as a royal and uh, has this incredible life and influence, uh, but there's just always something in Moses that says that he's a little bit different to everybody else around him. You know, whether it's the slightly different color of his skin or his eyes or just a sense inside of him that there is something different about him. And one day he is out watching the Hebrew people who are enslaved by Egypt, who are enslaved by the Pharaoh. Um, and he sees an Egyptian soldier abusing one of these Hebrew slaves and something cracks inside of him and he kills the Egyptian soldier. They find out and he is banished from Egypt. He's never to come back to Egypt again. And where we see God call Moses. Moses is amongst his banishment in the wilderness outside of Egypt. And that's where God turns up and calls him to do something extraordinary. And Moses's response, I think, mirrors your response and my response to when God calls us to something extraordinary. So go with me to Exodus chapter 3 verse 1 where it says this. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So we find Moses in this incredible, powerful moment of call doing something very ordinary. He's a shepherd. He is literally getting sheep from A to B. It's very ordinary. He's very comfortable. This is what he does. This is what he knows how to do. He's a shepherd. He's getting sheep from A to B. It's a very ordinary scene we come upon Moses in. And then God shows up there. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said, and take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And I find this amazing because straight away we see Moses feeling his ordinariness. We see him feeling his humanness because it, 
out of the ordinary, God breaks in and faced with the power and the majesty and the glory of God, what does Moses do? He looks away. He feels his humanness immediately. He feels his smallness and his fleshiness and his ordinariness straight away. And he looks away from God. But God says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people the Israelites, out of Egypt. So there you have it. That is the call of Moses. God turns up and says, Moses, I am God, here I am, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to Egypt, tell the Pharaoh, God has sent you, and it's time to let my people go. And Moses looks to God and says what I think I would say And what I think you would say, he looks to God and he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I that I should do that? I'm a nobody. I got kicked to the curb from Egypt. I'm a nobody. I'm just here getting my father-in-law's sheep from A to B. I'm a nobody. There is no way that I could do that. I am not good enough to do that. I am too ordinary of a person to do something so great and so amazing, God. Are you sure you've got the right guy? And God says, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this very mountain. Now, God does something that's a little bit annoying here. He says, you'll know it's me because when you've done the thing that I've told you to do, when it's done and it's over, you'll know that it's done and it was me. Okay, thanks, God. But he says to Moses, what I want you to do is go and do this thing and I'm going to be with you. It's not about you. It's about me and I've chosen you and I will be with you and you will know the power that is within you because I go with you because when it's over, you're going to come back to this very spot and you're going to remember this moment and you are going to worship a God who is powerful and uses people in his plan and his purposes to do miraculous and extraordinary things. That's how you're going to know. And Moses says, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And I find this really interesting because in the face of fear, Moses is worried the most about his peers. He doesn't immediately say, what's the Pharaoh going to say? What, how are the Egyptians going to respond when I turn up? He talks about what his own people are going to think. He thinks about the people that he belongs to, his peers, his community, and he thinks, well, what are they going to think when I turn up? And I wonder when I read this if that's a bit of a mirror to how I respond sometimes. In that when God calls me to do things that seem so out, out, outstretched from what I am capable of doing, 
Do I think about the person on my left and the person on my right and what they're going to think? Are they going to think I'm too young? I'm not qualified enough? Why her? Is that what I'm worried about? My own peers, my own people? Because that's where Moses goes straight away. He's worried about his own people's response. And God says, you tell them, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And he gives a whole heap of proof and outlines the whole plan to Moses and says, this is what you're going to do. And this is how I want you to go. And then in verse four, uh, sorry, chapter four, verse one, Moses looks to God again after God has outlined the whole plan, told him what to do. And he says, what if they don't believe me? Or listen to me. And they say, the Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. And he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And then I would just add this word, hesitantly, Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and, turned back, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This said the Lord, that, sorry, this said the Lord is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak and when he took it out, the skin was leprous and it became as white as snow. Now put it back in your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak and then he took it out and it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it onto the ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. So Moses looks to God and says, I can't do this. I'm not good enough to do this. I'm just a simple shepherd. And God says, it's okay. It's not about you. It's about me. And I'm going to go with you. I'm going to give you power. And Moses says, but what if they don't believe me? He says, miracle, miracle, miracle. And Moses continues to look at God and says, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. Are you sure you've got the right guy? But you see, I think this paints a picture of what we see in Scripture over and over and over again. We see a God who chooses ordinary people to do extraordinary things all the time. It is his pattern. You see, I can't help but believe that at this time in history, in Egypt and the surrounds, there were at least a hundred other people who were more qualified, who had more influence with the Pharaoh, who were way more, had the level of competency and capacity to actually do what God was calling Moses to do. But God calls Moses. The ordinary guy who's on a mountain getting sheep from A to B. He's comfortable But God turns up and says, this is what I want you to do. And you see, God is in the business of calling ordinary people to do extraordinary things. He calls a man named Abraham and his wife, Sarah, who is barren and old, to become the parent of nations. He calls a young orphan girl named Esther to become a queen, to risk her life and save a nation from genocide. He calls a young man named Joseph who's got a problem with oversharing, who's sold into slavery by his own family to become the two I see 
to the most powerful man in the world. He calls a young girl named Mary, who's faithful but young, to bear the Savior of the world. He calls a smelly, simple fisherman named Simon. And he calls him to become Peter. And Jesus will look at him and say, you, on you, I will build my church. He calls a Christian hater named Saul on the road to Damascus to become a man named Paul who will become the greatest missionary of all time and give us the majority of the New Testament. You see, God is in the business of calling the least likely people, the least competent people, the most ordinary people in the, in the scene, in the story, in the world to do his purposes, to do extraordinary things. Why? so that he gets the glory. So that when people look at this ordinary man, at this ordinary woman, and they see extraordinary things happen, they can do nothing but ask the question, how, why? There's something different about that person because I didn't think they were capable of that and now they are. And people are pointed to heaven through the ordinariness of man. Moses goes on after this and he says, Pardon your servant, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And we have to understand that Moses is clutching at straws now. You know, he is coming up with all sorts of excuses because I've got written in my Bible next to this verse, Acts 7.22, which says, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. You see, Acts contradicts what Moses is saying. Moses is saying, I'm not a great public speaker, but we know as we keep reading the story that he does all right in front of Pharaoh. And he's clutching at straws. He's finding all the excuses he can. You know, he's like, God, I'm not good enough. And God says, it's cool, I'm going with you. Yeah, but what if they don't believe me? Miracle, miracle, miracle. Well, I, I, I'm not a very good public speaker. What excuses do we use to say, not me, God? You know, I think we have a tendency to say we don't have what, we, what, it, what it takes to do what God has called us to do. You know, we don't have the resources, we don't have the time, we don't have the support, we don't have the qualifications, we don't have the experience. But God says, no, I choose you. And you know, if I was God in this scenario, and don't get me wrong, I know I was never in the running for that, but if I was God, I would go about this a little bit differently. You know, if I'm calling Moses, the man who is going to set my people free from Egypt, I am going to go about this a little bit differently. You know, first off, Moses is there with his sheep. I'm sending angels like laser beams from heaven. And they land on the rock and rock flies up and then they strike a pose. And Moses is like, what? Then heaven opens up and hundreds of mythical beasts come out like you've never seen before. And they're on a leash held by me and my little pinky. I'm in a gold chariot with a sword saying, Moses, it's you. Moses is like, okay. That's how I do it. That's how the gods of the time would have done it. You know, all of the gods that, that the people worshipped in this, in, in this scene, in this time period, had something like that. You know, Zeus had his thunderbolts. Hermes had a helmet. Poseidon had a trident. A trident. You know, Thor. Thor had his hammer. Our god, 
the God of Moses. He's like, I've got a bush. (laughs) And he looks to Moses and he says, Moses, let me prove to you that you're the one, that I'm going to go with you, that I'm a powerful God. What, What do you got? Moses is like, didn't you come prepared, God? What do you got in your hand, Moses? Well, I've got this here staff. Cool, throw it on the ground. Snake. Pick it up again. Staff. What else you got? Um, nothing. Cool, let's use your actual hand. Boo! Leprosy. Boo! No leprosy. What else you got? I don't, I don't know. There's some water in the Nile. Cool, let's use that. You see, God has this incredible ability to use ordinary things to see his purposes fulfilled. He doesn't just use ordinary people. He uses literally what is in their hands to do it. So let me ask you, what is in your hands? Because God has an extraordinary purpose to use simple things to do extra- to show his extraordinary power. David, what you got? I've got a sling. Let's go take a giant. Samson, what have you got? I found this jawbone. Let's get some Philistines. Disciples, what do you got? A fishing net? Throw it. We need to feed 5,000 people. What do you got? I don't know, some little kid's lunchbox? Done. Catholic, what have you got? I don't know, I guess I'm kind of bossy and I can tell people what to do. Leader. <laughs> what else you got? I don't know, I can tell stories and I can make things sound good. Communicator. What else you got? Nothing, that's it. That's cool, that's enough. You see, God has placed things within you already. He has equipped you already to do what he has called you to do. And you might just think that it's something that you know and it's something that you already have, but God has specifically placed it in you for his purposes, for his joy, so that he can partner with you to do extraordinary things. You know, we have a habit of telling God that we don't have enough to do what he has called us to do. But God is in the business of using ordinary people and ordinary things for his extraordinary purposes. What has God put in your hands? Where does God have you right now to do extraordinary things? There's no thunderbolt, there's no chariot, there's no mythical beast. But what is in your hands right now that God can use? God has a purpose for you and your life. And you are gifted in a way that no one else in the world is. You have a passion in your heart that God has placed there. And there is a call on your life to walk in the great purposes of God and his kingdom. And you're going to feel like you're not good enough. And maybe you're not. But God is in the business of using ordinary people and whatever is in their hands to do extraordinary things. God is going to go with you. And you will succeed because he has said it is so. You will have influence. You will be amazing for the kingdom of God. That's the encouragement in the story. Here's the warning. Exodus chapter 4, verse 13. 
after Moses has said to God, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, God shows him signs, shows him miracles, says, I'm going to go with you. This is who I am. You can do this. And then Moses, in verse 13, looks to God and says, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send somebody else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. You see, it was totally fine for Moses to look to God and say, I'm not good enough. It was totally fine for Moses to seek God and say, are you sure, God? What can you show me? What can you give me to make this certain in my heart? That was fine. But when Moses said no, when Moses said, it's not for me, send someone else, that's when God got angry. You want to know how to tick off God? Say no when he calls you. God's anger burned against Moses. You want to know how to tick off God? It's not saying I'm not good enough. It's not saying, are you sure you got the right guy? Are you sure you got the right girl, God? It's saying no when he calls you. You see, God is in the business of using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And he does it using whatever is in our hands. And so my question for you this morning is, what is God calling you to? And what is in your hands right now to allow him to do it? What is in your hands right now? Are you using it to serve God and his purposes? Or are you staring in the mirror asking, am I good enough? Because God says you are. God has a history of doing this. God has a history of calling the least likely people to do the most extraordinary things. You know, we sang that song, Reckless, before, and I know some of you probably sang it for the first time and went, well, I don't know if God is reckless, but isn't he? Doesn't he take the most extraordinary risks on people? Doesn't he choose the people that we would never choose to do incredible things? powerful, extraordinary things for his purposes. He takes risks like you would never believe. Why? Because he's God. He is all-powerful. And there's something beautiful about how he partners with his creation to bring about the great purposes of his kingdom. And he has a call on your life and he has a call on my life. And it's okay for us to look to God and say, are you sure? Because he will say yes over and over again. But it's not okay to say no. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray a really simple prayer this morning. And I wonder if, uh, you know, I don't think this is messages for individuals. I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think there are, there's people that I had in mind that I was like, oh, they really need to hear this message. I think this message is for everyone everywhere. I think, I, I genuinely believe that God has created you with purpose. You know, maybe you can't see the whole picture right now. You can only see a piece of it. Maybe God's just beginning to work on that in your heart right now. 
But, you know, I think there's probably something in all of you that God is calling you to that you think, how on earth could I possibly ever do that? And I believe that what he would say to you this morning is you can do it because I have said it is so. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to give you what you need. In fact, you already have what you need right now. And so this morning, I want to pray a really simple prayer with you all. And if you feel comfortable as you close your eyes, just to hold your hands out like this. So right across this place, why don't you close your eyes and hold your hands out. I'm going to pray a really simple prayer and then the team's going to lead us in a great song. Father God, thank you that you deal with people the same way in Exodus that you deal with us now that you have a call on our lives, that you have called each of us to something significant, God, significant because it is within your will, it is within your purpose. And so God, right now, I pray that you would reveal to each of us what it is that is in our hands right now that we can use for your kingdom. God, I pray against the enemy telling us that it's not for us, that that voice we've heard, that that sense that we've had couldn't possibly be from God because who are we that we would be asked to do something so magnificent, so extraordinary? But God, we acknowledge that you are a magnificent and an extraordinary God who calls ordinary people to your purposes. So God, let your spirit reign in this place right now Speak to us and give us the courage to take a step forward. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more. 